Welcome to my podcast, Hashtag Human, where I explore all of the stuff that shows up for us as human beings on our path to success. This is episode two, and in this episode, we look at silencing our inner critic and why that is such an important skill to learn if you really do want to follow the road to success that you have mapped out for yourself in your head. So number one, I kept going. This is episode two. That means that not only did I get the courage to do episode one, here I am back doing another one. And I will continue to show up and share honestly in the hope that you can relate and maybe even find some value in the experiences that I'm sharing. So let's talk about our inner critic. What does yours sound like? If I had to put a personality to my inner critic, it would kind of be somewhere between Miss Trunchable from the Matilda book and Dolores Umbridge from Harry Potter. She's quite mean, quite stern, really dismissive and often cruel in the way she talks about me and to me. And when I listen and believe what she is saying, it stops me showing up. It stops me moving forward. It is really damaging to my self-esteem, my self-worth and my belief that I am capable, confident and worthy of what there is. And what, I, and what it is that I want to achieve. So why do I hand her the mic so often? <laughs> Good question. I'm not sure why I allow my inner critic so much space inside my head. I know that if it was a real person, I'm actually really good at establishing boundaries and being really honest with people when they step over them. There's a lot of things I won't tolerate in my space, especially as I get older. I make it very clear what is okay and what's not okay. And I redefine those boundaries regularly when they're overstepped. I've gotten so much better at saying no when I mean it and not trying to, to qualify that with a reason why I don't want to do it. I actually am quite comfortable now just saying, no, I don't feel like doing that right now. Oh, no, I don't want to. When people come into my space and try to make me feel scared or fearful or like I'm not a fantastic person, I often will make sure that it is a case of that I haven't done something that has violated their boundaries. I'm not in any way saying I'm perfect. If I hurt someone, if I have broken their boundaries, if I have lost in some way hurt them, then I am more than ready to apologise and to try and make amends. But when it's not called for, when someone literally is just causing trouble or being mean, then I'm, I'm very comfortable telling them that that's not okay and that I don't want that in my space. So I kind of wonder why this voice gets so much airtime in my head. I really, I really don't know why she shows up as often as she does. And sometimes I convince myself that she's just there looking out for me, that the stuff she's telling me is a protective measure. It's to stop me doing something that would make me look silly or that I could get hurt or that I wouldn't be able to deal with because I'm not quite you know, strong enough or I don't have enough skill to be able to do it anyway. But what I've found more and more is 
often when I'm feeling like that, it's because she's speaking to my inner child. And there is a little girl in me who doesn't believe in herself or her self-worth and who really does want to believe that even though this person is being ridiculously cruel to me in my head, that it's for my own good, that they're just looking out for me. But then as soon as my 45-year-old me tunes in, I'm so much more able to recognize the fear for what it is. And that's what it is. My inner critic's voice is my fear. It's my fear of having to grow, to be seen. It's not wanting anyone to judge me or to make a judgment about who I am and how I'm living my life. And that comes across as a whole lot of excuses as to why I shouldn't do things. I'm too overweight. I don't have enough personality. I I didn't do enough at, like I didn't go to university. There are so many reasons why my inner critic tells me I shouldn't be doing something. And sometimes it takes a lot to really decipher that and to work out what our what our fear in that is okay so an example is when I first self-published my oracle deck there was a lot of elements to that that were very much fear-based I was releasing my first ever collection of my art to a very public um, domain I had decks ordered from countries overseas and people find my deck that that weren't in my original audience and I was so scared that they would judge my artworks which I created as part of a healing process for those of you who don't know the story behind my original Southern Cross Oracle deck I um I had postnatal depression after the birth of my last child um Gwendolyn and at about six to eight months after she was born I was able to go and see someone and get some help after I'd recognised what was happening. And part of my um, recovery from that was to tune back into what it is that Laura loves doing. Who was Laura when she wasn't being a mum to five kids and one of them a newborn? And one of the things that I was really drawn to was nature. So I was going on a lot of walks through nature and one day I found a feather and I brought it home and I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna paint with this feather. I'm gonna do an artwork. I had done dot artwork um previously before my first daughter was born, but I hadn't done it since I'd been a mum. And so I painted the first artwork, which was my Goanna self-preservation card. And I looked at the painting and to me it was so childish and so different to what in my head I'd imagined that artwork to look like. And I didn't want to like throw it out. I wasn't that disappointed with it. But I was definitely disappointed that it hadn't come out as amazingly as I imagined it in my head. And what I did was I shared it in a group that I was in at the time for the Oracle Deck creation. And when I shared it, I honestly expected people to be critical of it because I'd never done that before. I'd never been in that space and no one was critical of it. A lot of people told me they really loved it 
And all of a sudden I had to look at the fact that the only person being super critical of it was me and why when I'd created it and it was part of a healing journey, was I being so critical of it? What was that about? (laughs) And that's when I first started to realize that our inner critic is really not there to help us out. They don't want to look after us and they will continue to make us doubt ourselves and our ability. So how do you ignore that inner voice or how do you try and silence it? And one of the best ways I've found for this is peer support. Okay, Having friends, having a network of people who you're comfortable with, who you trust, who you can get really deep and honest with and share those conversations that you're having with yourself in your head to real people who have very differing opinions to what's in your head. And you can actually, you know, find out how much of it is just what you're telling yourself and is untruth and how much of it is a rational fear, one that, okay, that's something you could be concerned about. I can see the reason for that fear. Because what we often find is that when we start speaking to other people, it starts to sound really silly even to ourselves. And you start to see just how much you convince yourself of something that logically was just not true. So that would be my first suggestion if you also have an inner critic that you have trouble silencing, is share the same conversations that you're having with your inner critic with other people and just listen to that feedback and see how much of it they are on a totally different page about. Often the biggest job of our inner critic is to keep us safe or apparent safety. And that's because to put ourselves out there, to be judged by others, to be seen and show up as who we really are, has a certain level of um, risk associated with it because not everyone is going to like us. We're not going to be everyone's cup of tea. And sometimes we can convince ourselves that we're very lovely people and that everyone loves us if we just never have to actually interact with everyone else. But the truth is people will not like you. And that's totally okay. The people that do like you will love you, they will support you, they will encourage you. They'll be the first to clap when things go right for you. They'll be the ones that cheer you on in those really dark times when you really need someone to just help you get back up and and keep going. And they're the kind of audience, they're the kind of people that you want to surround yourself with, the kind of friends that you want on this journey. And they're also the ones that will be the first ones to show you when it's your inner critic showing up. And, and tell you that she just she's wrong. It's not true. So that's what my um, most, l- lately that's what I've been most concentrating on is who is it that I have in my circles? Um, who, who do I turn to when things don't go right? Or who do I um, speak to about that voice in my head? And, and how have they helped in, in the whole process that's been like pivoting jobs and restarting my business during COVID and, and all of those kind of things. It's, it's been the people that just listen and offer suggestions and help you unravel the truths and the untruths 
that you're telling yourself about whatever um, opportunity it is that's come up for you. So that's it for today. I hope you've enjoyed this episode and I really look forward to sharing more with you in the future. Um, Have a lovely day.